Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. (laughs) Bonnie in the house. Welcome, 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 welcome. I just love that intro. It was voiced by my co-producer, Ryan Treasure, VP of Broadcast Operations and Everything at Voice America World Talk Radio. Welcome. I have a question for our listeners around the world. What are you driving today? You can hold that thought. Whatever you're driving, if you own the car, if you lease the car, if you just use Uber. But more important, what or who will be driving you in 2025? That's what we're going to be talking about today with our futurists, our visionaries on this topic. So I have a couple of buzz quotes from some articles I found in the press on this topic. Let me set this up, and then I will have my special guests, my four panelists, who are all experts in this field, introduce themselves briefly. So here's today's buzz. I have a quote from an article called The Ride of the Future in the Globe and mail.com and here's what they say automakers look into the crystal ball and their shops to get an idea as to what's fueling the car of 2025 most car makers agree the next 10 years will see more change in the auto business than the last 20 that's the first snippet i found here's another one this is from infogram infogram.com an article the future of cars 2025 they say self-driving cars once found only in science fiction are about to become a reality and they're quoting a goldman sachs report back from 20 And here's another quote in the article from Business Insider, same year 2016. When you think of a flying car, one might think of the Jetsons. The company, Terrafugia, is working to get its flying car off the ground by 2025. So just sit on that for a minute. And one more quote from an article in ThoughtCo.com called Seven Green Cars of the Future, What We'll Be Driving in 2025. See, there's a theme here. Here's the quote. In any major city in the world, you'll find smog mostly from cars, SUVs, and pickup trucks. But things are about to get better. The car won't disappear. It will just be powered by different energies and, in some cases, take on new shapes. Ooh, such provocative and interesting quotes I found for you. So I have four experts. Let me just tell you who they are, and then you'll hear in their own words who they are. Meg DeVito, she's been on many Future of Cars with Game Changer shows with me. She is the founder and principal of the DeVito Design Group. Her last name is D-I-V-I-T-T-O, if you want to look her up. Bill Newman, he didn't bring his Irish cream. We may talk about our holiday beverages coming up at SAP. Mike Lackey, also at SAP. And a newcomer to my radio shows, Jose Negron, he is a host on Voice America. He'll talk a little bit about that. And he is at Alvanti, A-V-A-N-T-I Technology. So the topic for today is, in case you haven't figured out, fasten your seatbelt, ready for your future ride. Aha. So let's kick this off. Meg DeVito, welcome. And why don't you tell us in about two minutes what you do and what this topic means to you. Go ahead, Meg. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Happy to be here. Um, I've been in and out of this topic probably my whole career. I started in OBD, um, you know, emissions detection in 1989. I was one of the first people that was brought together in Motorola to tackle the new topic called telematics before anyone knew what that was in 1989. 97. And then I was, you know, brought to this topic again, no matter how much I, you know, wanted to try other things in technology, <laughs> brought to the table from IBM um, to, to really kind of invent connected car back in 2011, 2012, and then eventually into Internet of Things. So I feel it's just been a great progression. I love being at the forefront of all the change. And I do believe that the next 10 years is going to be even more accelerated than the past 20 so you agree with that snippet I read in the article. Thank you, Megan. I'm, I'm always happy to have a female in the automotive space on all of our shows on Future of Cars. Very important to know it ain't just for guys, and it hasn't been for a long, 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 long time. Meg, we have a lot of predictions to hear from you in a few minutes, so thank you for joining. Bill Newman, coming around the table to you. Have you been? And Bill, why don't you, for those who don't know you, tell us what you do and what this topic means to you. Bill Newman. Yeah, good morning, everybody, and uh, early happy holidays. I don't think it's too early to say that. And uh, I am with SAP. I am the uh, North American Chief 
industry executive advisor. So I work with uh, all our strategic and high growth companies, understand what it is that they're hoping to do in this new world of uh, automotive and manufacturing and uh, what capabilities they'll need and uh, how best to go about doing it. I think that really it, um, there's such an open field, and we've talked about it in uh, some of your other shows, Bonnie, to be able mm-hmm. to really craft what it is that you want to do in this new ecosystem moving forward. So many different opportunities. And as I like to say with our customers, you know, you can't do all things well at once. And uh, there's going to be some people that are going to put some big bets on certain parts of the ecosystem and some people who will like to, who won't be able to. But at the end of the day, for those of us who consume transportation, so we're not just going to consume vehicles anymore, we're going to consume transportation, and that's a big shift from a customer experience perspective. There's just going to be so many different opportunities to be engaged, and I look forward to discussing all of that with this great panel today. Thank you. You're very kind and early happy holidays. It's never too early to wish happy holidays, Bill. There's always a holiday we want to celebrate, but your end is hurtling toward us. Thank you. Mike Lackey, welcome back. It's been a while since we've spoken. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience, please, Mike? And what does this topic mean to you? Great, Bonnie. It's good to be back, and thanks for this opportunity. Mm-hmm. My name is Mike Lackey, and I'm the global head of digital manufacturing at SAP. And, and you know, someone asked me the other day, what do you do? I said, I get to see the future. Uh, I work with companies all over the globe um, on what the future is going to look like, not only from the products they're producing, but to how they're going to produce it and the challenges that they're facing. Uh, and automotive is a big sector for us. Um, and, you know, there's new car companies popping up every day that are innovating at a level that I don't think we've seen in the automotive industry for quite some time. And uh, it's just exciting to be there. Um, everything from electric batteries uh, to, to new cars, um, it, it's, uh, it, like I said, it's just an exciting time, and it's something that is really driving innovation across other industries as well. And, uh, you know, our job or my job is to take a look at and help these guys map out the future and how we can help them get there and achieve success and deliver value to their customers because I do think the automotive sector is changing. Um, I have mm-hmm. a millennial daughter, and she complains every day of why she has to pay for her car. You know, it sits in her, her parking spot for 16 hours a day. Uh, so the love for cars is both um, is, is creating, um, I think, a challenge there. Uh, the older generation is in love with the cars, and I think the new mm-hmm. generation looks at it as transportation. So it's interesting. It is, and we could touch on that, on the generational, the demographics of the generational changes in perception of mobility and vehicles. And, and uh, I know that Bill and probably Meg, and, and I'm sure you might remember Larry Stoley at SAP who passed away couple of years ago, he was the one who, who sponsored the original Future of Cars with Game Changers show about five years ago with me. And Larry used to say, in the future, we as humans will be cargo in the car. We will not be driving or operating the car. We'll be cargo. It will be carrying us somewhere. And I think Larry, in his own way, was was definitely a futurist and a visionary back in the day. And we still miss him. Thank you, Mike. Welcome back. And now our new panelists can't wait to introduce him. Jose Negron, CEO and president at Avanti Technologies. And he is a host here on Voice America of a show called Today, Tomorrow's Technologies, T3. Jose, welcome to Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. Please introduce yourself for our listeners. Absolutely. Uh, welcome, everybody. As Bonnie said, I'm president of Bonte Technologies. We do uh, consulting work for the government, uh, currently working on the uh, cybersecurity and electronic warfare, or uh, security. But in my previous job, I ended up working at DARPA in 2001-2005, and I was the first program manager for the DARPA Grand Challenge. As everybody knows, uh, the DARPA Grand Challenge, uh, from my perspective, DARPA has been doing trying to develop a self-driving car, never could do that. So we developed a grand challenge. We developed a field of dreams, invited everybody out there, and we conducted three grand challenges. Very interesting. And what are they in progress now, Jose, or when, when were these challenges? Well, the challenges ended up being uh, the first one was in 2004 from Los Angeles to Las Vegas, and we awarded a million-dollar prize. No one oh. won that event. There was 50, well, there was uh, over 106 participants as far as entry. We took 25 to the Fantana uh, race car vehicle to do a test drive, and then eventually uh, took them to Barstow to drive the um, off-road capability. None of them came in, uh, of course. Uh, 
uh, it stopped at 7.4 miles, and that's where it stopped. But in 2005, uh, about a year and two or three months later, we had five winners of 132 miles. And in 2007, mm. we did a driving test in a um, old military uh, field, you know, army field, where we had stop-and-go driving, just like you would have in any urban environment, and we had three winners during that time frame. So it's amazing to see uh, self-driving cars come to a stoplight, stop, look, wait for the green light, and continue on. Or, better yet, the one that fascinated me is you had a car come to a, a stop sign, stop, it had some type of malfunction, you had another self-driving car come behind it, wait for, well, let's say a minute, and then mm-hmm. go around it, stop at the stop uh, ah. sign, and continue on. That was pretty fascinating at that time, and that was 2007. Absolutely fascinating. I have to tell all of you, last night I saw the new movie that just came out, Ford versus Ferrari. Stunning oh. performances, stunning audio, stunning images of racing. It's about Ken Miles, and uh, who won Le Mans with a Ford car that he designed with Carroll Shelby three, four, four years in a row. It's a fascinating movie. I just happened to see it. Nothing to do with this show. Thank you all for your introductions. I just have a quick question before we get to your opening quotes. Meg, then Bill, then Mike, then Jose. Do you still own your own car and do you drive it? And if you care to share with us, what are you driving? Meg? Well, I do have my own car because I guess I grew up in the industry and I drive a throwback Jeep Wrangler. I always wanted one. I went through the BMW phase. I went through the GM phase. I went through all the phases of all the automakers, and I just wanted it. It just was so kitschy and so cute. I can, like, turn around in a circle if I need to. Um, It's so, like, tight, um, and it can fit in any spot. I call it my grocery getter because I'm basically in that car maybe once or twice a week, and that's it. I mostly use my feet or public transportation. And we are, you know, my husband and I own several properties in places where we only walk, and we've bought those properties because we want to walk or take public transportation. So definitely a shift of where I was maybe 10 years ago. Bravo. I love that you use the car mostly for groceries. I do too, but I'll tell you what I drive in a minute. Bill Newman, are you still driving? And if so, you want to share with us what you got? Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm still driving, and uh, you know, similar similar type of situation. I, I I have a fun three seasons car that I you know convertible that I enjoy, and it actually operates pretty pretty well outside of the you know the uh, the Great Lakes uh, winters. Uh, my wife has uh, has more of a I like to look over the road and drive drive big type of SUV, which is good for those uh, big box uh, store and home home uh, home repair runs um so that kind of works for us but you know similarly we we have a small farm in california and we have a very old suv that we have there but interestingly there we have gotten used to operating as a one-car family and uh, my wife and i both work and um, i take advantage of shuttles and first mile last mile transportation um particularly when i'm when i'm traveling from the home to the airport and to wherever i may have to go so that has been a shift for us. So I, I don't think that it's a one-person, one-car type of ratio anymore. And uh, it's, it's taken mm-hmm. some getting used to. But depending on where you are in the country, I think you can do it, as Meg said, uh, much easier than other places. Thank you. Mike Lackey, you still got keys to a vehicle somewhere on your, on your property? Are you leasing? Are you renting? Are you Ubering? What are you doing? You know, you know, Bonnie, I still own the car, um, and working for SAP, kind of you know, lean toward the Germans. I have a 2013 Mercedes sitting in my garage. It gets me from my house to the airport, you know, pretty well um, every day, every week. So uh, it, it meets my means of, of uh, transportation. But you know, it's a beautiful day here in Atlanta. If you want to come over, we'll get out the 1972 Mercedes, and the original <laughs> Becker radio still uh, still runs in it. So. Uh, we have kind of a, a love affair with the car, especially the old ones, and uh, it's it's uh, it's more than transportation, right? These cars talk to you; they're an extension yes. of you. Yes, and that's kind of what's hard as we have this conversation. Yes, absolutely. I, I I echo those sentiments. Thank you. It's a it's an emotional thing. It's an identity and an emotional. It's part of who we are. Jose Negron, you're our newcomer. What's your relationship with cars these days? You have one. You're driving one. You you're harboring a bunch of them. What are you doing? I'm harboring a bunch of them. Right. My last <laughs> car was a Ford Mercury, 
Uh, I had it about a 2004, and uh, it was just, uh, I, I lived at, uh, inside the city limits, so I was like you. I walked and took uh, public transportation. Before I retired, I moved out here to the suburbs, got me a car, a used car. And before I started my uh, T3 show and after I left DARPA, I decided to buy me a new car. I'm currently driving a 2019 Lincoln Continental. It's got all the bells and whistles, and I wanted to know, you know, what was the progress from 2004 to today? And that thing almost drives itself. I'm very proud of it. It's got all the bells and whistles. Like I said, you get on the internet uh, interstate there this past weekend. You're driving uh, 65 miles an hour. It really uh, begins to uh, slow down as you approach a car. It tells you whether you're moving inside or outside the lane. And so it's a pretty uh, high tech for the cars uh, that we envision. And I was curious about the sensing capability of the car itself. That's mm-hmm. the reason I got it. So I got to play around, and that's what I'm doing right now is playing around with the 2019 Lincoln. Well, I could tell that I'm the only sports car fanatic here. <laughs> Let's show today. Uh, Bill may remember, Meg may remember, I don't know if Mike remembers, I'm currently driving my fifth Z car. Currently it's a 2017 absolutely gorgeous pearl white red rag top Nissan 370Z. And I moved from New York two years ago here to Durham, North Carolina and shock and amazement whereas I came from the Long Island Expressway, the world's longest parking lot with a posted speed of 55 and you could barely do 20 or 15 most days. Here in a posted speed of 65 or 70, the average speed to 75 to 80. So I had I had the 79, the 86, the not the, the 93, the 2008. Now I'm in the the 2017, and I had to trade in the other one to get one that was really going to be very comfortable at 80 miles an hour. And Meg, I I'm here broadcasting most days of the week. I only go out on on uh, let's see Thursdays because it's five percent off for boomers. Chopper's Day at Harris Teeter for groceries, so I go and get my groceries. And you'd be surprised how much you can pack in the trunk of a 370Z. If you do it well, you can almost a family load worth of groceries, a little extra on the front seat, of course. But I love my car, and I think Mike said it's an emotional, it's identity. Yes, of course. I still get stopped in traffic, people looking at the car and waving, and I've had people try to buy my cars from me in New York at the entrance to the Midtown Tunnel. Grown men, lady, you want to sell your car? No, I think I'm going to continue driving it. Thank you very much. They didn't want me. They wanted the car. So I have a very emotional experience. Thank you all. That wasn't the plan for the show, but I couldn't resist asking you. Now, we're going to take just a quick break here. We're not going off the air, but I have to welcome one of our newer sponsors here to Technology Revolution, the future of now. It's Intuit QuickBooks. And let me tell you all a little bit about it. We have an offer for all of our listeners and for our panelists. Intuit QuickBooks has a special message for especially listeners who are small business owners. If you're still using a pencil and paper or a Excel, OMG, you have to check out QuickBooks. Let us count the ways. Number one, Intuit QuickBooks is a hub for your business. You can manage the entire workflow from the first estimate all the way to the final payment using Intuit QuickBooks. It saves you time, money, and hassles because all your financial management needs are in one place. You all love that idea, right, panelists? Everybody say yes. 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 There you go. Number two, Intuit QuickBooks is one-stop shopping. You don't want to learn thousands of tools and new software. Come on. We're all busy. It's the only one you need. All your financial needs should live in one place across one platform. Well, with Intuit QuickBooks, they do. Everybody say yes. 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 There we yes. go. Number three, Intuit QuickBooks makes your payday easy. <laughs> you got to pay the people who work for you. Come on. Run your payroll in less than five minutes. Unbelievable. Seriously, the setup is easy. You can access the hours, pay your employees and your contractors in one place. We all know it's a contractor and gig rich economy. Submit the payroll for the entire team right up to the day before payday. When were you ever able to do that? Your employees can view their pay stubs anytime on an online employee portal. What's better than that? Everybody say yes. 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 Good. And one more feature. Intuit QuickBooks is technology you can trust. You know that every paycheck is correct. You can They will payroll tax calculations are done for you. Ugh. You can file and pay federal and state taxes yourself or QuickBooks can handle the taxes for you. And they offer a 100% penalty-free guarantee. They'll resolve any filing errors if they happen and they'll pay the penalty fees too. So give Intuit QuickBooks a try. Just paying your employees with Intuit QuickBooks payroll can save you an average of $600 a year. That's not chump change. Learn more about smarter business tools at intuit.me slash techrev. That's the code for our show. So it's I-N-T-U-I-T, intuit.me 
E slash TechRev, T-E-C-H-R-E-V. And there we go. So now let's get to our opening quotes from our panelists. We're going to just do this real fast. Why don't you each just spend about 60 seconds telling me why you picked this quote, and then we'll get to the prediction. So Meg DeVito sent us a quote from, well, of course, Marty McFly in the 85 film Back to the Future, and Marty Seamus McFly, fictional character and main protagonist in Back to the Future film, originally played by the wonderful actor Michael J. Fox. And here's the quote. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it. Meg, how did you pick this quote? I just thought it was whimsical. Um, the part in the movie is where he um, is doing a guitar solo, and everyone thinks it's noisy and crazy and out of place. And I feel like, you know, the, your kids are going to love it. That's obviously true. He, in the future, did love it. And I feel like this goes, the same holds true for vehicles today. Um, if we would have told people, or we would have been told that the economy, the automotive industry would advance the way it was, and we'd want to be driven versus driving, that we would think a car owner owning a a car is a burden and not a symbol of freedom, we would have put our hands over ears and thought they were crazy too. And so I feel like this kind of like puts a, puts a little like exclamation point and things that we're inventing now, our grandkids are going to love it. And we need to start thinking like that versus putting, you know, putting kind of constraints on, on the way we think and putting that over the future. Thank you very much. I love the thought about the uh, it, what we're going to leave as our legacy. Thank you, Meg. Bill Newman sent us a quote from Alan Kay back in 1971. He's an American computer scientist, fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, National Academy of Engineering, and he was a pioneer in object-oriented programming and windowing GUI, that's graphical user interface. And here is the quote, the best way to create the future is to predict it. Bill, how'd you find this one? Well, I think it just it, it speaks to kind of where we're at in terms of being able to set forth your own your own destiny. Um, so the quote kind of came to me based on some of the ideas that you know the future is going to be changing so rapidly. But more importantly, I think what we're seeing with our you know particularly our large automotive customers is that uh, they're setting their own direction. There isn't one template, and there's not one box. There's not one out there vision that um, everyone can can ascribe to everybody's kind of painting their own their own their own model of the future moving forward with their product design and how quickly they're moving to embrace some of the case trends that we've spoke of on some of your other programs so Mm -hmm. I think it really is an opportunity to own your own future now how that's going to happen and and what partnerships you're going to need and what technologies and what business models you're going to need to drive moving that forward that's that's what everybody's figuring out right now. And there are going to be some pretty common touch points. And um, one of the things I think we've seen is, is that um, with some of the tech players involved in automotive, this, this idea that you're, you're, you're either on one team or another is, is just not holding up. Everybody needs to partner um, in in non mutually exclusive ways now. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it works. I think, Everyone can own their own direction, their own destiny, and in the end, their own future. Thank you, Bill. Very good quote. Mike Lackey picked a quote from William Blake, 1757 to 1827, English poet, painter, and printmaker, considered a seminal figure in the history of poetry and visual arts of the Romantic Age. In 2002, William Blake was placed number 38 in the BBC's poll of the 100 Greatest Britons. Ooh-hoo. Here's the quote. What is now proved was once only imagined. Mike, why don't you spend a minute telling us about the quote, please? You know, Bonnie, you know, imagination and innovation comes in all forms and shapes, right? Even in the arts. Uh, and I chose this one because, you know, for all the high-tech people, I, and I appreciate you explaining who William Blake was, he was a person who was not recognized for his talent during his lifetime. It was only yes. after he passed away. Did he get, did they recognize the brilliance of his writing and his artistry here? And, you know, and now he's the gold standard. So, you know, for me is we have to, not only do we have to push innovation, but we also have to open our eyes and realize when we see innovation, not, you know, not in the future, but today as well. So I just thought he was very appropriate for what we're going to talk about in the automotive uh, industry, bring a little, you know, arts, uh, bring the arts to this discussion, and you know, beauty's in the eyes of the beholder here. And 
automotive and cars are a beautiful thing, and I think they're poetry in motion. So that's why I think William Blake. Thank you. I love the quote and, and like happy to hark back to another era and apply it to today. That's what we look for. Thank you, Mike. Jose Negron has sent us a quote from Dr. Tom Stratt, Deputy Program Manager of the 2004 DARPA Grand Challenge. And what's interesting about this quote is I took one sentence from the quote, and it's really, really provocative. So, Jose, forgive me for, for just taking a piece of this, but I think this will tickle everybody. The quote is, one of the best ways to motivate engineers is to tell them that there's something that can't be done. Aha. So, Jose, why don't you briefly relate this to our topic, please? Absolutely. Well, first of all, that's my philosophy. And when I got to DARPA in 2001 through 2005, I just ran across a lot of top-class engineers, scientists, and futurists. And they always believed they could develop something. They could always develop a widget, uh, a new uh, spacecraft, uh, a new Internet uh, and, and, and my particular program was, of course, uh, how do we uh, turn the autonomous vehicle, the self-driving car, into reality. So I always believe that if you cannot uh, do it, the engineer says, dang it, I can do it. And I always refer back to the Pearl Harbor scene where you got Alec Baldwin very upset of his pilots because they can't take off in the, in the time and space of a carrier taking off in the B-25. And, of course, Ben Affleck looked at uh, Josh uh, Hartnett and looked at him and says, well, if the skipper can do it, I can do it. And that's kind of the philosophy of uh, engineers. If you tell them that you can't do it, they will, they're going to prove you wrong. And it's been a philosophy of all my life is tell me you, I can't do it, and I'll show you I can. And it's just a, an important quote. Tom Stratt, a leading scientist engineer at DARPA, and continues to build new widgets out there. Thank you very much. I love the quotes of all of you. And I don't have a quote, but I'm going to tell you that we have one more sponsor on today's show. They've been with us for a while, and they've asked me to just remind our listeners. So let me just take a brief 60 seconds. I don't know if there's such a thing as a brief 60 seconds. 60 seconds is, we'll have to do a show on the, the measurement of time. So Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R, it's the easiest way to automate your work. How? You can build your own customized workflow. Bill, Mike, Jose, Meg, have you heard of Zapier yet? Any of you? Yes. Do you, yes. you do? Yes. Okay. Well, Zapier helps you build your own customized workflow with a few clicks. What could be better than that? You connect all your business software and it handles the work for you because you have other priorities. So Zapier connects more than 1,500 business applications. That's a lot. Everybody say yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. That's more web apps than any other service like this, and they're adding new options every week. Let's talk about it. They integrate with apps such as Facebook lead ads, Slack, QuickBooks. Ooh, we mentioned that. Google Sheets, Google Docs, and many more. Best of all, you can use Zapier without writing code, and you don't need to hire a developer or take your busy IT coder people and say, I need help with this. Zapier makes it easy to build the exact solution you need just for you in minutes. So you can set a trigger when you receive a need email from somebody specific or a group in Gmail. Then you set an action to copy the attachment from that Gmail to your Dropbox. This is cool. Then you set an alert in Slack to notify you about the new Dropbox file. And it's all done with a simple fill-in-the-blank setup. Point, click, automate. Who doesn't love that? If you're ready to try Zapier, we've got a link that's good till the end of this month, and we're already at the 20th of November, so an early Thanksgiving gift to you. Go to Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash Revolution. That's the code for this show. So it's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash R-E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N. Do it fast because you can sign up for a free 14-day trial. Thank you very much. So to my panelists, we're ready to tackle the predictions. Having so much fun here today, and I want to thank the four of you for really good attitudes and coming so prepared to talk. So, Meg DeVito, let's see, let's see if we can spend 90 seconds on each prediction, because I'd like to get at least three from each of you. This is really cool stuff. Meg DeVito, prediction number one, mobility will be solely about the mobility of the person in whichever vehicle is best. Meg, tell me more. I just feel it's going to be about choice. We've already talked about ownership versus people not wanting to own, and I feel like that's like a cornerstone of the future. And we see bird bikes. We see all different types of vehicles, not just cars or traditional trucks and cars on the road in more urban settings than not. And I know most of the United States is not urban in, in that way. And so these might, you know, take a while to proliferate across every 
space of the country. But even if you go to Europe, they're even much more populated than here. And I think following the person and saying it's not about this vehicle anymore. It's not even about the auto manufacturers anymore, which is heresy, right? Not even about the suppliers. It's really about how do I as a person want to move and how, do, how is the best way for me to move, the most effective way for me to move, and the cheapest and the most effective. It's almost looking at the, the choice of the vehicle that you're going to pick is really about what's the most productive. So it's more of a machine, an asset. I really liked your quote before, uh, cargo in the car. It, it's true. Mm-hmm. How, how do I, yep. what am I doing now? Like, I want to just get across town real quick, and there's a traffic jam. I'm going to pick up a bird bike. I actually have groceries to get, and I want to shop for a holiday, so I need to go get a vehicle, a, a truck, that I can pile in the back. So I just feel like that, it gives, it's actually the next, you know, we, I thought of a car as freedom. I couldn't wait until I was 16. I couldn't wait to own a car. I couldn't wait to drive myself and be independent. Now the independence, I think the thoughts are shifting to the mm-hmm. multitude of choices and the avenues in which I can choose. So I can be, you know, much more available and present in the, in, in my life versus having to be encumbered by all these different, you know, forms of transportation. Thank you, Meg. Love the thoughts there. Bill Newman, prediction number one, autonomous trucks, particularly for the last and first mile, will come to big cities very quickly. Bill, 90 seconds. Tell me what's going on here. Well, you're already seeing it. Um, while, while we inside of particularly North American market are, are working through some of the, um, I guess, some of the autonomous and connected vehicle legislation and regulations through NHTSA and other bodies, uh, the truck, the truck makers are, are really jumping the gun. If you take a step back and you look at the actual freight business, one of the largest cost components of, of any haul, uh, particularly in the first mile and last mile, is going to be um, the actual driver. So um, Daimler earlier in the, in the uh, I think it was last month, um, is, is prototyping its um, driverless um, vehicle. Uh, that is targeted for a long haul. Um, but it's a fully autonomous capability. Toyota's been doing some work with fuel cells in and out of the port of Los Angeles now for a couple of years in partnership with uh, Shell Oil Corporation that's providing the, um, uh, providing the, uh, the hydrogen base for the fuel cell. So when you're dealing with, with short hauls, just to net it out, you don't have to worry so much about the transportation and the, and the energy grid. So getting from beginning from Long Beach at the Port of Los Angeles out to Ontario, California, which is where all the big distribution centers and warehouses are, that's pretty easy things to do. But actually putting that daisy chain across, say for example, a big space in Asia or North America, that gets a little bit more problematic around, you know, how you're gonna refuel, et cetera. So trucks first and you're gonna see short short uh, last mile short haul, last mile, first mile before you see the big the big uh, driverless ghost trucks running through I-80 in Nebraska, as we've talked about on some of your other shows. Thank you, Bill. Mike Lackey, prediction number one. This is a different one. Dealers become speed factories. Mike, as they say on the news shows, let's unpack this. Talk to me. Well, you know, Bonnie, I, I, I think the factories that we, as we know today, the car manufacturing is going to move down to the dealers. Customers want Customers want their personalized vehicles or their personalized mode of transportation the way they want it when they want it, and to respond to the customers. I believe the dealers become factories. I don't. I believe the dealer, as it is today, becomes a little more obsolete. Everything is is built online or ordered online, but then it's going to be built closer to the customer. And so these dealers are going to morph into speed factories. Where you know components come in, they put do the final assembly and deliver to the, deliver to the customer exactly what they want in a matter of a few days versus a few months. So uh, I think it's a big change in what we're going to see the future of the dealer uh, more to become the really the uh, the factory. Interesting. Reminds me of we've talked on many of my shows about the make for me economy, Mike, where manufacturers, for example, of sneakers or of of hoodies or anything can take an order of one for one particular customer who customizes it online in some kind of an order form and actually convert that mass production assembly line into make one one 
particular specification version of this product for that one person. So you're saying that, okay, I, I love what you're saying. Thank you very much. It, it almost boggles the mind that that could happen, especially for those of us who love certain features on our cars. And I know we all do. I want to move on. Jose Negron, ah, prediction number one, good one. Autonomous vehicles will be part of our lifestyle. Go ahead. Jose, tell me more. When I first started working the autonomous vehicle and self-driving car, one of the things I predicted is what I would like to do is for the vehicle to be outside, to get in the car, and take me to the grocery store and back. And that, to me, was the realization of the, of the self-driving car. Uh, in the uh, various uh, cities in the metropolitan areas, it gets so crowded, so you spend an hour, and I've known ladies uh, and, and guys spending two to three hours in a car, in the cell, you know, and it's just driving back and forth. This is a great opportunity to be the cargo and read or do work back there or do something that you enjoy. I remember being in the Pentagon in 84, and I was in the bus, and I read every magazine I ever ordered. That was the only mm-hmm. year I, I was able to do that. And so that's what I'm thinking about uh, the autonomous vehicle being part of your lifestyle. Thank you very much. Let's go for prediction round two. I love the round one. Let's go to two. Uh, Meg, I'm going to go to prediction number three in your list because I like this one. I it's knew very you different. Were. You <laughs> did not. <laughs> Maybe did. you did. I, I could get to pick and cherry pick now that we're, we got uh, 17 minutes here. I want to get some really exciting ones. You say, like China of the 2000s, back seats will grow and front cabins will shrink until it is simply a controller to operate the vehicle. You have to tell me what this means. Meg DeVito, go ahead. Well, the biggest challenge that the American automotive manufacturers had in the 2000s um, shipping vehicles into China is that the back seat was so small. And the reason why that was a problem is because everybody that was anybody in China was being driven. And mm-hmm. now, here we are, <laughs> fast forward 20 years almost, yeah. and we're being driven. And if anybody, you know, the whole Uber model or, or Lyft or any of them is you, you take the vehicle you own and you drive people around. Well, eventually, if more and more people are being driven around, they're going to want comfort. They're going to want content. They're going to want things to do. They're going to want to do what was just discussed, be productive, right, like that Jose had said. They're going to want to mm-hmm. use that time wisely. And so that means that the front will start to shrink to make room in the back for people to do more things, you know, have more playtime, free time, productivity time while in that cabin. And eventually it'll go to a completely autonomous vehicle where there is no need for a front seat. It'll be a ubiquitous cabin. So I feel like that's kind of a look back to look forward. I also feel like if you're being driven, it eliminates driver safety concern, which is really what, you know, was the buzzkill of telematics in the late 90s and early 2000s and even a little bit today. And this kind of pushes the envelope and says you don't need to worry about driver safety. The vehicle itself is going to be safe because it's a machine. It, it creates it's an asset. It's, it's something that takes you from point A to B. I believe that the technology to manage the vehicle as an asset will be deployed um, in the front cabin and in the back. It's going to be more like a smart home or, you know, mm-hmm. or our personal devices, bringing that type of content in to be consumed. Thank you very much. Bill, I'm wobbling between prediction number two about digital natives and Gen A not needing to have a driver's license and prediction three, cars available for personal ownership and driving will become a luxury. Which one would you like to talk about? Well, I think we jumped to three because I think yep. it's a good tack on to what we were just talking Perfect. about. Perfect. Go and, ahead. And, so Bill says, cars you know, available for personal ownership and driving will become a luxury, more of a luxury in the next 10 years. Content. Here's where I want to go. Content will be incredible. Bill, focus on that, please. Well, and I, and I, and I think, so there's two aspects to this. So first of all, tacking on to what Meg was discussing, you know, the, when you don't have to drive, <clears throat> bear with me, Bonnie. When you don't have to drive a vehicle, <laughs> your your and we talk about this with some of the automakers that we work with, your 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 backseat slash passenger experience becomes more important, not yes. just from your customer experience, but also from your wallet share than your front seat driving experience. So right now, typically, particularly sports car enthusiasts like you, Bonnie, I mean we we build cars so that you can get the sensation of driving, and that is a very high utility for people who buy those vehicles. In the future, when we have more of a connected grid and we're 
traveling down the highway and we're able to regulate speeds and you're really only three or four inches away from the next vehicle pod that's next Mm -hmm. to you, you know, you can imagine, as we were just talking about, you know, you might not be sitting facing the front of the direction of travel. You may be sitting around a table. You could have multiple, um, you could have multiple displays. Uh, you could have a lot of access to uh, information through the advent of new 5G and high bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just actually just sitting with uh, an interiors maker, and, and we, you know, we were talking with them about, you know, what what new product families could be created. You know, we've already shared on the program that there are seat makers that have hired chiropractic uh, um, mm-hmm. surgeons to figure out how to do chiropractic massage in the chair while you're a, <laughs> you're a passenger. So that that whole internal experience as the vehicle kind of becomes ubiquitous for a living space, I think, is, is one thing. The other piece is, is that for, for those of us who are fortunate enough to really be able to drive, and, and, and maybe in the future it's, it's regulated space, uh, which would be sad, but for now, the, the Uber Lux market just has some incredible content to it. The, the, the premium luxury of the seating, uh, the fabric, the wood, um, the displays, even for the driver. I mean, if, if you've ridden in a Tesla, you know that that's, that display is probably larger than even the first-generation uh, tablets that were made. I think, I don't know, it's 14 inches high. I mean, you could you literally can watch television movies and not have to squint on it. I mean, it's quite, it's quite amazing. And being able to have all of that content in a, um, in a very high-performance, uber-lux type of environment mm-hmm. um, is, is quite exceptional. Now, it's going to cost people. You know, it's going to be kind of like owning your own airplane right now. Mm-hmm. But, but that's going to be available. That will be available. And, again, the content's just going to be incredible in either scenario. Thank you, Bill. Very exciting. And, Mike Lackey, I have an equally exciting prediction from you, number three. We haven't talked about this, I don't think, ever on any of our shows. The 3D printed car steps on the gas. Oh, my goodness, Mike. Is this true? Is it in, I won't say my lifetime. Is it in maybe your lifetime? What do you think? Bonnie, it's going to be in both of our lifetimes. Uh, I think it's moving quickly. The technology, and I don't mean just the 3D printers themselves. I mean the technology of the materials that goes into them, from carbon fibers to even metal components. You know, we talked about the dealer a little bit earlier becoming the factory. This is a big uh, accelerator for that. You can print the parts you don't have. You can print the body. You can print the whole car. With With the evolution of the electric vehicle, you don't have a lot of the mechanical components that you have to have in an engine. Um, you know, it, it's totally different. The drivetrain, every piece about it. So, um, yeah, the, you know, you're going to walk in. You're going to design your car just the way you want it, Bonnie, the way you want to cruise down the road uh, with you and your groceries. You're going to be able to design it exactly the way you want it, and they're going to design the perfect Bonnie car. And that's what the future is going to Um uh, you know, if for us that still want cars, we're going to want our car, not a car, uh, not a mode of transportation, but the extension of us. And I think in the future, when you can come in and give customers that type of personal experience, it's going to uh, it's going to revitalize the the car industry here. So, yeah, 3D printing the car, I don't think it's that far away. 3D printing is not accelerating at the rate; it's a steady, continuous. Um, acceptance, and I believe it's going to hit the boom pretty quick, and it's going to be able to design and print your car right there on the spot. I I can't even think about it. It's, it's so exciting and scary and wonderful all at the same time. Mike, thank you. Very interesting. Jose, I'm looking at your prediction number four. Let's talk about that. Materials technology will explode to help the next technology vector, space exploration. Relate that to our, our mobility and transportation and car topic for me, Jose. Go ahead. Absolutely. Well, first of all, the success of a self-driving car has to become the, the sensors and the navigation package, and that has to be integrated into the mechanical mechanisms. Uh, right now, even Tesla self-driving, my own vehicle, the Lincoln, uh, Mercedes, 
there is a cautionary tale there because they're still not safe. They make uh, silly mistakes uh, by a programming perspective, or they can't see or sense an object in front of it. So my prediction is that until we get that secret sauce perfect, we are not going to get to the self-driving car. And that all those uh, sensing capability, navigation package, the mechanisms that we do that will extrapolate into what we're going to do in the next generation, which is the uh, space exploration. So that, that's really the secret sauce. We want to avoid uh, you know, future hazards and incidents so that we can make this uh, uh, self-driving car not only a reality, but safety first. Thank you very much. I'm going to see if we can squeeze in one or two more predictions. I'm just going to cherry pick here. Meg, you're number four. The dealership and service center will be a memory of the past. I don't know if everybody is is doing a sigh of relief right now or if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Why don't you just take 60 seconds to explain that to us, please? Well, it's much more like what Mike had said about the manufacturing moving into the dealership. I actually feel like today, serviceability in the aftermarket space, you know, non-OEM or dealership is really moving their, their distribution hubs, getting the right part as quickly as possible to the right place. If we really believe that the next generation in the future is about transportation and mobility of the person, then we really need to minimize downtimes of that vehicle and maximize uptimes and maximize, you know, the, the organization of the fleet. And in that case, the service, you don't need to service it as a person. Fleets will be need to be serviced. And it would be co-located, in my view, with these massive distribution centers where the parts are there. And things could then be done more quickly, more efficiently. And again, it's treating it as an asset, not as something that every person may have. Thank you very much. Mike Lackey, I have one here from you that's a little provocative. I'd like to go to prediction number four. Mileage in kilometers, not cars. Help me count the ways. What does this mean? <laughs> well, you got it. I'm going to help answer Meg's, you know, make a comment that Meg had made earlier and feed on top of that. You're not going to buy a car in the future. Whether it's electric car, flying car, mechanical car, you're going to buy kilometers or mileage. You're going to go mm. in and you're going to sign a contract and you're going to buy a vehicle. And that vehicle you're going to get for 60,000 miles, you're going to get a sedan. Um, for 20,000 miles, you're going to get a, a pickup truck. Or in 20,000 miles, you're going to get a, um, an SUV. It's, you wake up in the morning and you want to go skiing. You go to your dealer. You pick up an SUV, put the skis on top, and you're in the mountains. Come back, trade it in. You can even put a convertible in there, a beautiful day. You want to drive it mm. down to the beach. So it's about the type of transportation you want. It's products as a service, and that's a big thing we're seeing mm-hmm. across multiple industries, and the automotive yes. dealers are dealing with how they're going to provide that. Thank you very much. Bill hey, Newman, I'm going hey, to hop hey, back Bonnie. to your – yes, I want to do the prediction number two. Go ahead, Bill. Talk. Yep. I, I just want to respond quickly to Mike. We're already yes. seeing this where people are setting up, you know, you can you can subscribe to a fleet, and you could have whatever vehicle mm-hmm. you like and through some – you know, advent of, of sensor technologies and communications, you can actually get that billing based on your subscription really easily done. And whether it's a consumer, like Mike, you were talking about, or whether it's an organization or your municipality, um, those frameworks are already in place. So some of these uh, early brand and um, community fleet operators are already heading down the path to be able to figure that out. But to Mike's point, yeah, you won't buy a car. You'll just you'll buy uh, you'll buy into a fleet of cars and have your choice. And Bill, that goes at where I wanted you to go. Just add sixty seconds here. Most digital natives in Gen A will not need to own a driver's license. Is that the reason you just cited, Bill? Well, I think so. I mean, I was really commenting on the Mike's trend, but you know, I don't think I don't think my grandkids in the future will have the need to drive. I mean, we've already talked about given some of the uh, ADOS. Um, capabilities, um, you know, you don't have to parallel park anymore. And that, you know, coming from California, that was, I pride myself on being able to parallel park and my, my kids don't <laughs> need to do it. And, they, and in Michigan, at least, they Touché. don't test. On the driver's test anymore, they don't test because half the cars the kids come into nowadays, uh, they push a button and they parallel park, you know, okay, I'm a driving instructor, what am I going to do here, you know, so it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, so from that perspective, I, I think it's really interesting. And, and I think, I think Meg or, or somebody made a point earlier. Um, it's expensive 
to own and operate a vehicle. I think no Mike kidding. touched on this as well. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, uh, it's not just the rite of passage anymore for 16-year-olds no. and 18-year-olds. And, and I think that it, particularly if you live in a city where you have access to transportation, you can get those vehicle miles traveled, VMT, without owning a car. It's easy to do and much easier to do, I think, in the future. Thank you, Bill. I want to squeeze in one more from Jose. Jose, just 60 seconds, and then I have to go into my closing spiel. Prediction number three, transportation dream of self-driving cars will be achieved in 20 years. And you say, you mentioned there's a 2015 government requirement of a third of government vehicles will be autonomous. Jose, can you just spend uh, 60 seconds on this, and then we'll wrap up? Absolutely. I, I think that was the big push for us, uh, is that in 2015, there was congressional legislation that said government vehicle must be, or at least a third of the vehicles had to be uh, autonomous. We're not there yet, but I do believe there is a government business partnership that will allow the, us to move forward and quickly accelerate so that the industries, I mean, you see it now, the automobile manufacturers and related industries are continuing to grow. The, the sensing capabilities and navigation package, uh, the, the custom fitting. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting in my Lincoln, and you know, this weekend I discovered I had the massage button on my seat. And so <laughs> it's just interesting. Uh, all these little features that you find in these new vehicles are coming to reality. They are. I just have the little heated seat. One day, I, my knees were getting hot, and I couldn't figure out what it was, and I realized I had brushed the little button on the console, and the seat was the heater was on. It was warming the back of my legs. It was kind of fun. I will tell all of you that I'm a drummer now. I don't know if Bill knows that. And no, I cannot carry my whole drum kit in my Z, so my partner, my good friend, has a truck. Um, he has a, a GMC High Sierra Custom, and we we bought cases, and we load my drum kit into the back of his truck when I have to go play a gig. So my car is not appropriate. So in a way, I have access to the big truck to take things and the little car for a lot of fun. So there you go. Don't worry about me. Uh, I want to do a quick shout-out to our sponsors again and to a QuickBooks. Thank you so much for sponsoring. Everybody give it to a QuickBooks a try. Just paying your employees with Intuit QuickBooks payroll, that's a tongue twister, can save you an average of $600 a year, and that's found money. Learn more about Smarter Business tools at intuit.me slash techrev. That's I-N-T-U-I-T dot M-E slash T-E-C-H-R-E-V. And again, Zapier joined us as a sponsor as well right now through the end of November. Try it free. Go to Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash revolution. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash R-E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N for your free 14-day trial. I want to thank my four panelists. You've been delightful to speak to, insightful, savvy, wonderful. I can't thank the four of you enough. And I have to thank my Ryan Treasure, my co-producer, and Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio, Voice America, the business channel, our engineer extraordinaire, Meg DeVito, thank you, and happy holidays. Bill Newman, I know we want to talk about Irish cream, but we'll just have to dream about it. Mike Lackey, thank you so much. Jose Negron, it's such a pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet another host on Voice America, and welcome to my world. And I want to say to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Technology Revolution in the Future. Now remember, if somebody tells you the future is already here, they are wrong, because the future of now is didn't happen yet, and you can be a part of it. So there, make it happen. Bonnie D. Graham, a.k.a. Radio Red. I'm on Twitter at Radio Red 777, and if you look at the picture, you'll know why. Drumming us off. Have a great day, everyone, and happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back December 4th live with part one of our annual predictions special, Predictions 2020. I have 60 guests coming in a course of five-week episode of our special, so you don't want to miss that. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.